I'll say come during warm weather months. Everybody is very grumpy in the winter times and cold weather months. Uh, uh, daylight is short. Uh, it's cold. Yeah, come when it's warm. Fall, spring, summer. All right, cold, it's warm, but we could actually get, could we get a hello? Or is that uh, Maybe, it's, it's definitely more likely. I mean, your chances increase exponentially, um, but I don't want to say it's a given. Okay, so the typical New York is like, don't make eye contact. Exactly. What are the things called for horses? Um, a blanket on that word. The blinders. Yeah, blinders. blinders. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely blinders. Just stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. <laughs> That's beautiful. Tell me about a win you had recently. Oh, definitely. Um, oh, an exciting win, I want to say. Uh, I'm going to give it a twofold. One is we released an awesome product update uh, for our dashboard that allows for some customizations on the reporting that you want to see for overview of your project status. That's on the product side. And then on the, I'll call it business side, a win is uh, we just had another, I'll call it convert of a legacy product onto JetBuild. So those are two exciting things that happened in the past week for me. Getting uh, yeah. the technology moving <laughs> forward. Are you exactly. all taking it, uh, has the open AI swept over jet.build yet? No, not yet. You know, um, I've had these questions come up and they're always fun questions as it relates to just AI in general. Um, I think that there's going to be space for uh, these kinds of integrations, maybe in the near future. Um, at the same time, you know, we're still tackling the element of addressing the essential technology across our industry. So uh, I think we need to first and foremost tackle uh, your basic operations tech before we get into yeah. uh, AI as it relates to like widespread adoption. Good stuff to consider. I think it's just top of mind for people and Definitely. you know, you being, I'm just going to classify you as a technologist. I'll put a label on you. <laughs> I'll take it. We're going to look to you for guidance in that type of way. So, I hear fart. <laughs> that's good. Welcome to the EBFC show, the easier, better for construction podcast. I'm your host, Felipe Engineer Manriquez. This show is all about the business of construction. Today's episode is sponsored by Bosch Refine My Site is a cloud-based construction collaboration platform that applies lean principles to enable your entire team to plan, communicate, and execute in real time. It's the digital tool that works in tandem with your last planner system process and puts it all together in one simple, collaborative ecosystem. This easy-to-use platform is available in English, German, Spanish, Portuguese, and French, and can be used on desktops, tablets, and mobile devices. According to Spencer Easton, Scheduling Manager at Oakland Construction, Refine My Site, in my opinion, is the best, leanest tool on the market for the last planet. Here's what our users have to say. We've looked at three other digital scheduling platforms and none compare to the straightforward approach Refund My Site takes. From milestone planning all the way down to daily tasks, this program gives every general contractor and their trade partners meaningful collaboration, accountability, and KPIs. Register today to try Refund My Site for free for 60 days. Today's show is also sponsored by the Lean Construction Institute. LCI is working to lead the building industry in transforming its practices and culture. Its vision is to create a healthy and thriving industry that delivers outstanding project outcomes every time for everyone. Check the show notes for more information. Now to the show. First, by, by thanking all the, the good people at the EBFC show for 
for staying, coming back every single week. Super appreciate you, the growth we've had on the podcast. Uh, definitely, we're going to have all of Adam's contact information down below in the description below. So check that out for his links. And if he's done what he's supposed to do, his uh, profile picture and his bio links and his bio will all be there just waiting for you. So that's, that's Adam's cue that he might have to do something if he hasn't already done it. We'll find out. But for, for those listening, Adam, could you give people just a short who you are and uh, how'd you get into uh, software and technology yeah. for construction? Absolutely. First of all, thanks so much for having me here. I really appreciate the opportunity to share my story uh, with, with your network, with your listeners. So I appreciate uh, you and your listeners uh, uh, equally. Uh, so thank you for that. Um, in terms of my story, my background, uh, and why Jet exists, uh, I actually uh, really appreciate all this story. I love telling it. Uh, my co-founder and I, Joseph, we, we actually know each other uh, versus enemies where, you know, we, we battled high school sports against one another. So a funny start to our relationship there. Um, fast forward a bunch, we both somehow end up in the same military enlistment uh, in, in Israel. And the Israeli military has airborne, so as paratroopers. Then again, fast forward a bunch, we both end up in New York City working for real estate developers in very similar roles, different companies, but hands-on as it relates to, you know, being on construction job sites every day where our responsibility, our role was to ensure the accountability of all project stakeholders. So, you know, contracting teams, design teams, developer teams, meaning ourselves, lender, you know, city, uh, so on and so forth. Uh, and in that experience that we had, we recognized the, uh, you know, gaps in efficiency or inefficiency, gaps in productivity, the, uh, uh, you know, crazy uh, manual entry uh, uh, you know, time, time sucking uh, administrative tasks. Uh, all of these kinds of elements that are, you know, I'm sure, um, very, uh, you know, day-to-day relevant to a lot of, a lot of, a lot of your listeners, uh, we, we took those friction points, uh, and said, you know, let's create a solution, uh, for ourselves. That'll help us push our projects forward. That'll help us, you know, deliver on time and on schedule projects. Uh, and that's quite literally what we did. So we started creating features, jet build. Uh, that were supporting, you know, our roles. So, so middle R5 workflow and management, uh, drawing and file management. And it's really where we started to, you know, kind of just, uh, you know, push our projects forward to remove kind of the manual repetition in terms of alerting teams that they have to respond to something and finding what they have to respond to uh, and all of that craziness that exists across multi-company project stakeholders. Um, so over, the, over time, uh, we recognize that those features, that starting point was really supporting what we were doing uh, and said, hey, you know what, let's just continue to add features here. And that's, that's what we did. Uh, so fast forward a bunch, uh, we ended up with, uh, you know, what we have today, JetBuild as this end-to-end solution uh, from pre-con development stages through construction operations and collaboration functions, uh, in addition to your uh, accounting uh, uh, functionalities, uh, wrapping that all together with data reporting, uh, and then allowing for, you know, a streamlined effect for your project operations. Adam, you're speaking my love language. It's all this efficiency. <laughs> and I've got to think that uh, your time in the military, definitely being airborne, had some kind of influence on your approach to business. And tell me, like, when you first came into the real estate, your real estate development is where you started, right? Correct. Correct. When you first came into real estate development, fresh from military service, what was standing out like? What's, what seemed like so odd that you had to ask somebody, is this normal? So, you know, kind of what I have alluded to in that, in that story, which was, uh, the shifting of information across companies 
in a scattered environment, whether that was email chains, Excel files, meeting notes, and then trying to consolidate it. So like, you know, being from the developer side and, and, you know, with the role and responsibility of ensuring project success, I had to pull all this information together in, you know, without a platform I was using Excel, uh, you know, and recognizing that it wasn't sustainable, wasn't efficient, it wasn't productive uh, to do that manually, you know, throughout a project, especially if you had more than one, uh, you know, active at a time, uh, to then alert people that they needed to respond to then use that information to report to, you know, our boss, as well as the lender to, you know, collaborate with the city. Uh, and in that madness, in that mess, we realized that I uh, just, it wasn't the way it wasn't organized. It wasn't structured. Uh, and I'll use those two terms as kind of a plug to kind of what military is. It's very organized, very structured, uh, where you have repetitive processes, uh, in order to produce efficiency. Yeah. you got standards in the military, right? And, and you're airborne. So you're jumping on airplanes, right? Or, or, or not. So you're jumping on Correct. airplanes, construction parallels for the, for the listeners. Paint us a picture. What was it like for, before you, before you jumped? What did the military do to get you ready for your first jump? Definitely. You know, so actually these, these protocols are pretty typical, no matter where you are uh, coming from the perspective of infantry. Um, and probably that, uh, has overlap with other divisions as well, but then I'll say even more so when you're airborne, because obviously you have that added element of danger jumping out of a plane, right? So taking that, those, these perspectives is the understanding that first of all, showing up every day, uh, putting in effort, putting in work. Because when you show up and when you put in work, that allows you, you know, work being training, right? Training, learning, right. checking, that allows for the, you know, largest potential of positive outcome, I'll call it, I'm talking kind of broadly here. With that said, on your kind of day-to-day and these parallels with what goes on in construction is, you know, you got your checklist, you got your equipment checks, you got your, uh, you know, uh, scrum meetings, right? You're meeting with your team and understanding what, what you're accomplishing for that day. You have then your after action reports, you're checking how your day was and what was good, what was bad. Then you're going to your next day and repeating that cycle while also improving on where, whatever area you could improve on. Yeah. So that protocol you talked about, like getting ready and we're like jumping at the bit, like construction people, we know construction, we know that frustration. I mean, you just mentioned like a lot of work, a lot of pre-work to happen before the actual work can happen. Are you doing checklists? Is it like body conditioning? So like if I blindfolded you, would you be able to get ready to jump out of a plane blindfolded? Are you that well-trained? Is that, is there that much rigor that goes in to getting you ready? And I'm going to, I'm going to bring this back to real estate development. I'm just, I'm just setting it up at him right now. Don't worry. No problem. Yeah, no problem. Happy to, happy to, to talk any, any topic really. Um, so the answer is yes. I mean, in, in reality, the majority of our jumps, and when I say majority, that's like 95 plus percent are actually at night. So uh, you do lose a lot of uh, visibility. Uh, not to say you can't see anything, but that is to say that you have to be so comfortable with your actions, with what you're doing, that you can do it at night and you can do it in uh, conditions that are less than ideal, right? Uh, and I'll actually add one more element that I missed is the ability to work with people that you didn't necessarily grow up with, that you weren't necessarily, you know, would be hanging out with or that you wouldn't necessarily know, right? That's another element in, in military training that also translates very well to no matter what you do, right? Is understanding how to be empathetic to others that you need to work with, how to communicate with others that, you know, may have different opinions or perspectives or, you know, uh, upbringings. Yeah. So with all that, you go, you get out of the military, you go to work for this real estate development company, your buddy's working in a, in a competitive firm. Did you guys get together and talk 
when are they going to get, when are we going to get trained? Like when's the training, <laughs> when's the training going to happen? Cause I got to think that, you know, a lot of people say OJT, mm-hmm. right. And does it happen when your boss yells at you for doing the wrong thing for missing a deadline is, is getting yelled at in a real estate development office considered OJT? It's funny, you, you, you know, I was prepping that answer uh, and then you, you set it in, in your question. So that, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, it, it was kind of funny how, you know, that was my experience. That was my, my, my partner's experience where it is that OJT environment where it's like, go sink or swim, essentially. Uh, sink or uh, swim. That's yeah. one of the, that's one of the construction <laughs> phrases, ladies and gentlemen. That's how you know Adam is the real deal because he said sink or swim. Exactly. I can't tell you, I've got, uh, I don't know if I'm traumatized, Adam, when you said that aloud or if, you know, I need more therapy sessions, but that sink or swim phrasing is, uh, we don't say that and, and, and I'm not military trained. I've had a lot of, uh, relatives that have served a lot of friends and thank you for your service, but we've got people getting trained, getting ready, getting prepared, and then contrasting with the construction industry where there's a ton of tradition. I mean, there's, there's clear ways how we do things. But what's not clear, what's not consistent is that, that training part. And I just like to, to give a little shade to the audience because we don't often have somebody with your experience on the show, Adam. That's why I'm going a little bit deeper sure. into your background, just so people could hear just another, another place in the industry where it's consistent. Mm-hmm. We, we make people come to work and maybe we train them. Maybe we, we yell at them. Maybe, maybe, we, maybe we show them how to do stuff, right? So you're, you're pulling together all these different, you know, you mentioned RFI submittals, you're, you're responsible for what the contractor does, doesn't do. And then you've also got all the, the people, the the future tenants of what you're going to be converting into space that you're going to lease or sell. Right. So of all those things, and you, you hit a lot of the things, what made you like walk away from that and go straight to jet.bill with your, the quote unquote quote the competition and you said sure. it was a Yusuf or Joseph 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 yeah you yeah. went you walked away with Joseph did you convince Joseph or did Joseph convince you I, I want to know I feel like you convinced him <laughs> no that was that's funny um I will have a laugh about that later but you know it's actually pretty unique to what is your uh you know I think what people typically think of when they uh, perceive of a, a newer company or startup where well we what we did was we actually built up our product over a few years, uh, you know, for ourselves, right? So we were building it first and foremost as the operator saying, okay, you know, uh, a scheduling tool would be neat to have, a uh, project budget and bidding management tool would be good to have. How about uh, insurance tracking? How about permit tracking? And, you know, we just kept adding these feature sets over time, realizing that, you know, it was useful for, for us in our case. Uh, and then we were also, which, which allowed us to really segue, I think, to the next level was onboard what we call design clients. So people in our network, you know, external uh, uh, builders or external clients in those earlier kind of beta stages, which allowed us that additional, uh, you know, third party or external perspective for us to hear their feedback and implement to then finalize our product and release it to the market. Um, and then at that point, and now like kind of full circle to answer your question, at that point, you know, we, we basically got together and we're like, well, you know, hey, wait a minute, like we actually have this fully operational product. We actually just happen to gather some clients just from, you know, network and, and word of mouth essentially, right. From being an industry. And we said, Hey, you know, what? like this is, this is a uh, uh, really interesting. Let's, uh, let's, let's dive in. Let's do this thing. And, uh, we connected with, uh, our, our VC who led our fundraising round to really allow us to jump on full time, shout out partners. So shout out to them. They're really awesome. Real estate tech focused, uh, venture capital firm. 
Um, and that's, that's the story. That's kind of how we really decided. Yeah. Now it's, now it's time to, to jump on full, you know, full time, grow the business, grow the product. Uh, and here we are. Uh, you said something also, like we've got a lot of triggers, Adam. And sure. the one you mentioned was insurance <laughs> tracking. So we have a lot yeah. of project managers listening to the show. Tell me your before and after insurance tracking story. Like how did JetBuild change how you tracked insurance on your project? Yeah, totally. Oh man. So, so, you know, there's actually a few, I'll, I'll list, I'll, I'll name, I'll say it, uh, three like administrative paths, I'll call it that were consistently falling on my plate and consistently, uh, uh increasingly difficult, right. Increasingly difficult to, to track as you add, you know, additional, uh, stakeholders, right. Whether that's contractors, suppliers, et cetera. So really anyone on a job site and you realize, oh, wait a second, I can't manage, you know, staying on top of those you know, dozens of different companies. Right. And I mean, you could, but it's silly waste of time. So. Uh, that's kind of the understanding and, and recognition that on the insurance side, like COIs were, were, you know, expiring or late and now holding up people from coming on job sites in the, you know, uh, uh, risk mitigation element there, right? Not wanting for people, uh, trades or, or design teams to come on site if their insurance was, uh, expired to not ruin your entire project. And that's kind of the inception of it. It's to say, oh, wait a second, we can actually just automate these reminders. We can actually just allow people adults, right? Professionals to be accountable for submitting their insurance. And then, you know, and this concept of unlimited users, which is what we offer. Now I could also actually onboard my uh, insurance uh, broker, my insurance team and say, Hey, I want you to do you to approve it on the app rather than on an email chain or a phone call. Now I have confirmation, timestamp confirmation say, Oh, my insurance is good. Automated reminders are going to me and, and the you know, person whose insurance it is, a team whose insurance it is, and anyone else involved. And now all of a sudden, all of that administrative craziness is automated and really simple when you need to take action uh, on it. Uh, and then I mentioned, I'd say a few others. So another example is permit tracking. So same kind of a concept, right? Is to, you know, automate those reminders when things are going, exp going to expire, allow for professionals and adults to be accountable for things they need to, you know, submit and track. Um, and then the last, one was inspection management. So there's three kind of feature sets, I'll call it, um, or really awesome administrative additions that allowed for a lot of space and just time, time space for, for anyone involved in that. Yeah, that's a, a huge change. And I'm wondering, like, once you, I know it took work to automate that. I've done some software coding myself, like, shh, secret. I almost had a <laughs> computer programming, but don't talk anybody. My secret's out now. But I'd say... <laughs> Like, where did your time go when you gained that time? Where did you shift your, your time in your current job before, when you're still working your job and using the software to help automate aspects of your role? Definitely. I mean, it would go to all, all of this time savings would shift to proactive management, right? So it would shift to, all right, now all of a sudden I could look at what is seemingly going to be an issue, right? Like I could see the Gantt chart schedule, which is what we have on our, on our product as well. Uh, and I can see uh, the logistics of, uh, you know, this for next week doesn't make sense. Let's shift who's going to be on site. Let's shift who's going to be, you know, productive so that we don't, uh, you know, bottleneck ourselves. Um, and then beyond that, if, you know, space occurred to uh, an exponential degree, which pretty infrequent, but if it did, then, you know, I go home earlier, right? I'm not, not, a, not at the office or not working from home extra hours. Yeah. Well, that's, did you hear that project managers? Like, yes. We did you use software. Automation and proper accountability, you get more of your own time back so that you can maybe, maybe go home early or be proactive. Be proactive. It's like 
managing that Gantt chart schedule item is going to take a little more finessing than just watching lines go red or bars go red, right? <laughs> totally, so totally. I, I think that's a good transition now. I want to hit on, you know, what are some of the benefits? Because now, now you're looking at things and you're operating it more like your project is a portfolio. Mm-hmm. You've got these different things happening, administrative things, schedule time. Of course, there's money involved. What is the JetBuild's cloud-based command center give you that you didn't have before? What's the after effect of that change? First and foremost, what I, what I like to kind of point out is it allows every individual to do more. So all of a sudden you can now scale the same headcount I'll call it, right? Because each individual now has this command center where all information is being populated to one central platform. Uh, so it's really simple, not to mention all these automations and reminders. It's really simple to check in on what's happening, where errors are looking like they're going to occur, where they're actively occurring. Uh, and address every, you know, everything across your project, whether it's construction operations, whether it's collaboration needs, whether it's accounting functions, uh, and, and push those out to the proper, uh, you know, responsible stakeholders in a matter of a few clicks. So you're, you're creating like, uh, using visual controls, which I love Toyota production system, principle number seven, <laughs> use visual controls to make problems visible. So now you've got that. That signal, how do things on the dashboard signal to the user at a glance that something needs a little more attention? Yeah, definitely. So on your overview page, your landing page for that project, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll break it into two, two sides. One on a very simple uh, answer is you have an open items tab. So if you're uh, an external party on an individual project, you'll see all of your open items, obviously related to that project. If you're like the PM, for example, or if you're, or, you know, I was sitting as the, uh, on the developer side and had multiple projects happening, I would see all of my open items across all of my projects, across all the teams. Uh, so regardless of what your position or your role is in the project, uh, and one page at a, you know, one glance, you'll be able to see real quick, uh, you know, what's open, what's coming due, what's overdue. Uh, that's one. Now on a project specific basis, regardless of user, you'll have that dashboard overview where you can edit what you want to see. So if it's, uh, you know, open RFIs and open submittals, uh, you'll see that on a, on a chart, right? On a chart, as well as a log status, it's up to you. Uh, you'll be able to see, you know, in status of your insurance, you'll be able to see status of permitting of punchless items. Uh, so really of all functions across your project that you get to s- decide, you know, what, what does your overview look like? In addition to those specifics, you also get a calendar outlook. So like similar to any, any calendar, except in this case, it's populated with everything that you're involved uh, in or responsible for, which allows you also to click and address those items uh, specifically and quite literally one click. Wow, it's amazing. What kind of users on a typical project team are using that dashboard heavily? Um, well, I, I would say, you know, really all, all users involved. So whoever is responsible for each each uh, a trade, each stakeholder, right? So if you have, uh, you know, all of the contracting trades. So every party responsible for organizing how that team is operating, it'll be that person per trade, uh, you know, probably whoever's managing, uh, it, it party on the GC side, same as the architect, the engineer, the developer, we have lender, uh, parties on the, on the product as well. We touched on insurance before, right? So insurance teams, uh, so it's really, uh, all encompassing. Um, and with that said, there's also permission controls, uh, that are very simple. So. For example, if you're onboarding your insurance team, they, you know, probably don't need access to any of the construction functions. They probably don't need access to the accounting function. So in 
quite literally two clicks, you give them access specifically and only to the insurance module. Uh, and when they log in, that's what they'll have access to. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. What's an interesting story you can share from one of your users, like how switching to your system from the a la carte buff, smorgasbord buffet of, you know, Excel <laughs> spreadsheets. How, what, what have you heard from people? Definitely. Um, so, you know, I actually, I'll, I'll kind of uh, bridge it into two, uh, two stories that kind of the same uh, general uh, concept where uh, you'd have your uh, user who is, uh, you know, on a legacy product and then you have your user on the smorgasbord, you know, Excel files and whatever. When onboarding, you know, first of all, recognition of, okay, here's a central tool that I can use. That's intuitive, right? That's, that's a key word that, you know, we've built jet, uh, with that underlying, uh, dynamic is an intuitive product. So you don't need a certificate. You don't need like crazy amount of training. If you know how to use a smartphone, you, you're certified with jet. That's first of all, second, and the key element that, uh, is always so neat and it happens pretty frequently because we really push it is feedback implementation. So you have the users who are on legacy products who come and say, Hey, you know, my past product that I was using doesn't have, uh, you know, uh, QA, QC reporting in a specific capacity. So we say, okay, let's dive into that. Let's see what you're using, meaning you're pulling out those, those functions and then creating your own like kind of custom report in a way in Excel, see what that looks like and what's implemented for you. Uh, and our average implementation time is actually only 12 days. So people are always very appreciative of that. Uh, and we're right, really hold, on, hold on a second. Yeah, so like your, your 12 day implementation to a solution yeah. is less time than the average JRFI on a, on a 50 <laughs> plus million dollar project. I just want to put that out there in comparison. And, you know, and while we're, while we're doing disclaimers, I want everyone to know that, uh, jet.build does not sponsor the BFC show podcast, but Adam contacted me. Uh, from a beach in Mexico. And so we had a, a nice long talk about, you know, what he's doing for the construction industry. And the point of the show is always to show easier, better, faster ways of building. So I just want to get those two housekeeping things out there, Adam. <laughs> just, yeah, and you said, so, so yeah, you're welcome. So 12 days to implementation yeah. and then they're off to the races. Like what's like, what's something that they say? Like, you know, name somebody, like they anonymize it. So use a fake name like uh, Johnny or Susie or whatever, you know, Michelle or Rebecca, whatever name you want to hear. Okay. Look, I want, I want to hear like what, like what's something that they've just, they've switched over they've used it. What's the first like knee jerk thing that they tell you? Uh, the, the intuitive nature of the product. Uh, that's absolutely the first knee jerk reaction. Um, and the reason for that is, you know, either they're using, uh, a product that took them a long time to understand, or they're using nothing. And the knee-jerk reaction is, oh, wow, I, I, I'm now realizing how simple this is for me. And I'm realizing the, the space that I've now created, the time that I've now created uh, for other tasks like we were talking about before. Um, that's knee-jerk reaction. Uh, second la layer of diving in, it's the, the feedback implementation uh, that we were talking about before. So we will actively reach out and say, hey, you know, how, how's the product going? Do you see any uh, thing that would support your, you know, process better. Um, and you know, when they do give feedback and we really encourage it, uh, then we have that, that power and the ability to, to implement. And I kind of say that, you know, what we're doing is we, we, we have clients across the country We're we're, you know, happy to explain across the globe and hopefully that'll occur pretty soon. And what that means is, you know, we're, we're getting feedback from builders, uh, contractors, design teams, um, uh, you know, best practices of all, of all sorts and all types. 
and then consolidating and funneling that into a best practice product for end users. So they get exposed to how everybody uh, is building in the best ways uh, and get to let, and they get to leverage that in one place. Nice. What's the average size project you're seeing implementation mm-hmm. on? Like, is it a couple hundred thousand billion dollars worth? What's the range of the typical? Yeah, right now we're, we're about like 92 million or so in, in uh, average project size. Uh, we had some like custom home builders uh, out on the West Coast. And then we also had, you know, your, your high rise, $200 million uh, uh, project uh, sizes as well. So it, we really could scale to the size of your operation. Uh, you know, typical kind of a SaaS model. I'll call it. Yeah, that's, that's great to hear because people are going to be wondering, like, what's your win side, Adam? How can I see a demo, right? Like just natural things. But before people think about that, Adam's going to answer mm-hmm. that for sure. If, if he does what he's been asked to create his bio and all those links will be yes. in the show notes below. But uh, I, want to, I want to get to dive deeper into a little bit more about how is this benefiting other real estate developers today? Yeah, definitely. Um, so it's a really neat, uh, I'll call it angle and concept. And the reason I say neat is, uh, and I'm a little bit surprised by it, the, the awareness that a developer should be involved, I don't think is like standard or I don't even know if it's majority, right? So coming from the perspective of a developer who happens to be hands-on, I realize, oh, this is what makes the most sense, right? If I'm paying for a project and that, that property is going to be mine, I should want to know that there's transparent accountability for all the teams involved, even if I'm hands-off. That's, that's one angle. The second angle is, yeah, I should want to know that all project stakeholders have a tool to collaborate on, collaborate with. Uh, that's another element. And then the last element, which is kind of, I, I'll, I like to separate the two, two uh, uh, areas is data, right? So if I'm, if I'm the builder and I own the property, uh, whether I'm selling it or I'm managing it as, as an asset in my portfolio, uh, I very much should want that data. I should want that information. That's what I'm paying for. Uh, you, you could leverage that for active projects for that project. You could leverage that for uh, your next project or your portfolio of projects. You can leverage it with asset management teams. You can leverage it for a sale. You could sell your property and say, hey, here's a clean data package on everything that was involved on that property. Um, so, you know, I, I really uh, strongly advise that developers get involved. I uh, can only support the process. If they don't want to be on construction sites every day, they don't have to. They just issue access to whoever is managing their project day to day, whether it's the GC, CN, architect, whoever. Yeah, it's, uh, that's really interesting to hear. Like, I, I, you know, you're, you're tapping on that, that distinction that, you know, some developers historically, stereotypically are a little hands off uh, right. until it comes to contract payment things. Right. Then they're very much hands on and, and make their opinions very clear. Right. So right. I want to contrast that, like, uh, how do you see JetBuild addressing the needs of the general contractor who's trying to coordinate and manage, you know, sometimes on the jobs that you mentioned your, your size, mm-hmm. like that 300 plus million, we could have like 90 trade contractors on that Definitely. project. Definitely. So I, I like to look at it as this like two-way street, right? I mean, it can't be, oh, you, you, your contractor is battling your developer who's battling, you know, the design team. And that's a cycle of, of pointing fingers and battle. Like it, it's, it's so silly and, and, uh, uh, doesn't make any, it's, it's not productive, right? It's the opposite of what you want to push a project to, towards success. So uh, again, the concept of, of JET is this uh, transparency element across the project. So if you're the GC, then you know now you have simplified reporting to your developer. Your developer should be able to very quickly and easily 
look at, you know, the, the payment app request that has been submitted and say, oh yeah, I can see, you know, based on the daily reports that is in the same place, producing, you know, a, a workforce report showing me who is on site when that could tie to this payment app for me to say, yeah, this does make sense, which is tied to project schedule, which is tied to lean waiver submissions, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So all of the elements that are required in, you know, that process for the GC, whether it be operations or requests for, uh, you know, a payment or application payment app, however they uh, define that, however they word that, um, it's supportive of all of these angles. And then, you know, not to mention also the design team who has responsibility in, you know, responding to changes, responding to information needs, responding to, uh, you know, di- uh, specification updates uh, as a product uh, proceeds, et cetera. So it really brings all of the teams together. So to remove that finger pointing and to allow for people to uh, uh, you know, be responsible for what they are accountable for. Uh, do you visit some of the sites that uh, this is deployed on? Yeah, yeah, definitely. What the, what's the morale typically of the sites like after a healthy deployment? Like what, do you, what are some things you notice? Um, yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. I don't, I don't know if I could say, uh, you know, I would love to, I would love to just make stuff up right now and say, uh, you know, <laughs> all, of a, all of a sudden, no, it's been the best project of all time. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I can say from the project site. That well, let me, I've, let me ask it this yeah, way. So please, you, please. you walk into a job where yeah. jet.build has been deployed, right? It's a computer application. I'm not saying you're going to walk in and see everybody's got the dashboard up. Sure. Sure. But uh, what do you notice people doing? Do you see people more sure. in their computers, uh, talking? What's the, fir- what's your first, like the, think of the last three jobs you walked into. Yeah. You just walked into the office. What are they doing before they look at you? Thank you for remodeling that question. Uh, immediately what, immediately what came to mind in the middle of when you're asking that is meeting minutes. Uh, so we do a really nice job at uh, allowing to uh, digitizing meeting minutes and allowing for that kind of central collaboration. Uh, which also allows for uh, linking tasking items with, you know, the, that automated follow-up reminder and such. It pulls from prior meeting agendas. So that's the thing that that comes first to mind is uh, recognizing how meeting minutes are being used and tracked versus, you know, the, the, the craziness of, uh, you know, multitudes of way of how people do that, whether that be with, you know, handwritten notes that they then write up and send out, whether that be on Excel files or whatever it may be. Uh, I think the meeting minutes is a, is a sticking point that I typically see uh, as a significant change in, in pro- productivity improvement. Yeah. So you, you walk in and, and like a lot of the project managers, that's like the bane of their existence. Like that's right, one exactly. of the first things that they can't wait, wait to, you know, rise in the ranks so they can have assistance to delegate that to, or, it's you know, I remember one of the exactly. first things that I did at when I got in is like, I never typed so much in my life until you know, when I got out of school, like. All of a sudden I was just uh, doing data entry every single day from daily yeah, reports yeah. to, to meeting minutes. And I got really good at meeting minutes. So nice. it's, it's kind of cool to hear that you've got this automation happening for the, for the follow-up. Right. I see a lot of people, and you mentioned like this sharing and this mixing of like better practices across the country, even from right. design houses to general contractors. What's a good, for anyone listening, like what's a good protocol to follow? An issue comes up in a meeting, like, Software agnostic, how do you track that? What do you recommend? And then, and then tell me, how does Jet.Build make that seamless? Definitely. I mean, first and foremost, you know, having an agenda. Uh, I think that's very important. If you're able to have people review requests, require people to review the agenda prior to the meeting, super important so that when the meeting starts, it's actually, you know, productive in the sense that you're moving forward rather than, you know, eating up time, just uh, revisiting things. 
Uh, that's first and foremost. Second is to create actionables, uh, whether that's during the meeting or after the meeting. Um, that's very important with, you know, who's responsible specifically for what, with what specific timeline of, you know, return and or order of, of you know, whatever you're, you're assigning. Um, and then I think lastly, a central place where you're, uh, you know, again, software agnostic, just a central place where you're tracking and logging all of this uh, between, you know, the, the meeting minutes itself, the agenda itself, who is, you know, who is there and the responsibilities or the action items that, that occur after. Uh, so those would be the, the three elements. Yeah. Even if you're using uh, a notepad uh, that I think are really important. Um, those are also the elements that, that we're addressing. <laughs> Digitize. Well, I got to say, Adam, like, as you mentioned, some of those things I've been on jobs where all of those things are missing and right. those jobs right. are chaotic. And so like everybody listening, this is the part where you pause, rewind, take your notebook out, write some notes down and just look where on my project. Am I missing some of these things that Adam said is the better practice across, uh, designers, general contractors, developers trade contractors. These are all good things. I completely agree with you, Adam, having a clear agenda ahead of time in advance so that people can actually prepare. And like, that's the caveat. Cause some people like yeah. surprise, here's the agenda. Right. You're like, well, I'm not ready to talk about that. Right. Right. I, I see that happen too. So those are all really good things that you're, you're sharing. Definitely. I want to transition back to the military because it's sure. just like, it's, it's so cool, especially being airborne. So I got to tell you, Adam, like you didn't know this the first time we talked, but my parents were in the union when I was younger. Mm. My dad in particular was in the UAW, United Auto Workers Union. And we had to go to this uh, camp. It was in uh, Black Lake, Michigan. And they had a, a United States Army Ranger airborne was mm. our camp counselor. <laughs> and he was like, a, he was like a drill sergeant in the making. Like that's what. It was, it was clear to all of us young kids that this man, we'll call him Joe, Joe wanted to be a drill sergeant in the future because it was his job to march us around and to sing all these like songs about how amazing it is to jump out of a C-130. Like, but all, all that aside, as a, as a special forces veteran in all serious, all seriousness, Leadership is something that, that we talk about, and I think people have a lot of misconceptions about leadership in the military. So I think it's worth, I'd like to hear your perspective. You served in the Israeli Airborne. What is leadership like? Do people give leaders the benefit of the doubt based on rank? You know, to tell me more about like, how do, how do you give and get that leadership and following relationship? Definitely. So, you know, speaking from the special forces perspective, uh, and I, highlight that in particular because it's to recognize that teams are are much smaller uh they have more autonomy in, in what they do uh than a typical i'll call it brigade who you know is is much larger in in headcount thus has you know more protocol and and uh organization and that kind of effect similar to a business right so similar to uh you know how that could translate into your um civilian life per se but so in in the special forces perspective uh, it's it's very much about relationship building, um, and with relationship building, there's respect. With that, there's also understanding of how to communicate. And with all of that, particular to uh, military experience, is that you're doing all of this in very high stress environments and very um, you know uh, 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 risk risk uh, uh, sensitive environments. So 
that's to say is whenever or if ever you, you know, lose your cool or if you uh, make a mistake, the, uh, you know, outcome is, you know, very extreme versus in a, uh, you know, civilian environment. So in having that experience and in learning how that works and how that could affect how your day-to-day you're, you're operating in the military, you, you definitely have hesitation before you, uh, you know, go, go out of line. And that's, that's a mutual respect piece. I don't mean that in the sense of, you know, a hierarchy rather, you know, if, if you see something is wrong, you, you should go ahead and, and present that to your, uh, commander. Right. But you can do, you know, which is always okay. So long as you do that in a respectful manner. Uh, so I would translate that, uh, one-to-one to, you know, civilian life. Right. So, uh, you know, always a way to communicate something, always a way to be respectful on um, so long, you know, as you, you do that in a respectful manner. Right. So you should always feel free. This is my opinion at least to communicate. If you think something can be done better, if you see an issue, um, if, uh, you know, you recognize something in yourself, even right. You could, you could do all of these things, uh, in a, in a, uh, a respectful way. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I love that, uh, relating it back to respect that I am wearing the the respect for people shirt polo today. It's uh, on full effect for those, for those of you listening podcast only check this out on YouTube. You can see the respect for people on my shirt right here. I forget with this uh, mirror camera or what side it's on. It's on my left side over my heart. Yeah, you got it. But, uh, what, uh, just to lighten it up a little bit, what acronyms from the military do you find yourself remembering on a daily basis? Oh, interesting. So that's going to be a little bit tough in the translation. Um, Skew it to me in Hebrew. Come on. Well, well putting, putting me on the spot with that. Um, uh, you know, I, I top top of my head, I'm I'm putting a blank there on. You blanked out, so you're you're out. just totally let you totally let it go. I did. Let, let the call your commanding officer, your last commanding officer, be like <laughs> he's he's gone rogue. He's gone rogue. You know, I have a funny thing where whenever uh, you know someone wants to know a specific thing, like what just happened right now, you say. Give me the acronyms for that, or like, what, what, what is that word again? What's that person's name? I'm always like, oh, yeah, you, you, you got me there. Uh, and then I'll, I'll probably remember in 20 minutes. <laughs> How about a, what's a common Yiddish word that you use on a daily basis in New York? Common Yiddish word. Uh, um, I've given you, I've given you a I'll, lifeline. I'll say, but I'll say the Hebrew word, uh, something, which is, uh, patience. So if, you could, if you could remember patience, if you could remember to breathe, you'll probably, uh, you know, figure out whatever it is you're you're tackling in that moment better than if you didn't all right that's good i'll, I'll take that adam thank you there you so go much for that patience is so key especially in our business work we've got all these change makers but sometimes we're called do-gooders or or goody goods trying to make things easier and better and solutionizing for other people as my friend jesse says right but now Definitely. you know if all of that and i think i think you're right the leadership translates pretty well in the civilian world as well. There's good examples and bad examples. And, and like you said, a nuance is the, the consequences for bad, not as harsh in the, right. the civilian area. The, the, the stresses people feel arguably probably very similar. I'd say what kind of, uh, what kind of projects or notable initiatives has Jet.Build been involved in that you would say is like definitely helping this thing grow beyond your first solving problem for one customer yourself. Definitely. Um, an angle that we're uh, looking to support with, support in, uh, on this concept of, you know, that bring back the trades and support, you know, people 
uh, you know, wanting to join the construction industry, which is an awesome industry to be in, is the education angle. It's to say, hey, you know, not everything is or needs to be so outdated. Here is a tool that you can leverage to literally learn the process. And then when you learn the process, recognize here, you digitize what's happening. It doesn't all need to be, um, uh, you know, uh, backwards or, or you know, uh, I'm blanking on that word too. So, old school. Uh, old school, yeah. Yeah, doesn't no. need to be old school forever. Analog. Uh, doesn't have to be analog. analog. There you go. Analog. Thank you. Thank you for the lifelines. Yeah, you're welcome. I've got so many lifelines I'll throw out to you. Listen, I'll just keep throwing it out there. Infinite lifelines. Just consider awesome. me like that uh, safe harbor. <laughs> I mean, <it's> like, <laughs> just to get my, get my, I, I punned up this morning. So I'm all, I'm all ready. This is uh you thought I was drinking coffee, but it's actually just a, a pun, pun cup. You trained, you trained for the, for the podcast. That's right. I became a dad and I, I gave a lot of bad jokes to my son that never land. <laughs> like yesterday i was i told my wife this one and she said with like just deadpan face not funny so she's a, she's a huge cubs fan and there's a, a guy his name is his last name is hap and he just decided he's going to resign with the cubs and i said uh it's funny how hap found out what was happening and he stayed with the cubs she's like don't even <laughs> so I'm just, I'm just so glad that you laughed at him because I'm going to make this a clip. This one's going to be for you, hon. Yeah. Amazing. This is going to be a good clip for. Happy to be a part of it. Uh, you know, I think actually you, you, uh, preceding the, the, the joke, the pun with her reaction, uh, made, made that all a little bit funny. Yeah. i laughed. I laughed and I said, you're not laughing is making me laugh. Hard. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I've been known to crack myself up every day. I want to give it to you, Adam. You're going to get the last phrasing. What is something you want to leave the good people of the EBFC show with as they go out onto their projects? Don't get stuck in, in, in a way that you've seen operations been done uh, just because it exists. Recognize that there's always a way to improve. Don't be afraid to uh, propose a means of improving. Um, and, you, you know, put, put, let's help push our industry forward. That's what I want to leave it with. Awesome. Thank you so much, Adam. Thanks so much, Felipe. I appreciate it. Very special thanks to my guest. I'm Felipe Engineer Manriquez. The EBFC show is created by Felipe and produced by a passion to build easier and better. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, everybody. Let's go build.